Reduce stress and sleep better this holiday season with the Plus CBD Holiday Survival Kit. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. Their Plus CBD Holiday Survival Kit includes CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine and 5-HTP. The bundle also includes CBD Sleep, which aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD plus melatonin, as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. Treat yourself or give the gift of peaceful days and tranquil nights to your loved ones. To order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for your Plus CBD Holiday Survival Kit. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Uh, Something kind of different, something kind of unique. Uh, Today we're going to do a sports medicine-oriented podcast uh, with uh, an innovator from Antwerp, Belgium. Uh, We're talking to him on an overseas Skype line. He's comfortably ensconced uh, in his office in Belgium, and his name is Brent Lux. Uh, Brent is a a former very high-end cyclist uh, in a country, Flanders, uh, which is distinguished for uh, some world champion cyclists. It's a a flat area with, you know, small rolling hills, but it's a great place to cycle, and uh, the sport is a national obsession. They've uh, really developed some champions. Uh, His focus, however, uh, is on uh, nutrigenomics and sports medicine. And uh, there's a fascinating profile uh, which uh, his company does. The company is called Four Gold, uh, the number four and gold. The implication being is that you can go for the gold uh, with assistance uh, from uh, the high-tech approach that they use. Uh, to ascertain your genetic liabilities and assets. And they also have uh, a line of sports supplements, uh, which are designed to address uh, vulnerabilities that some athletes might have that might impair their performance. Uh, these are performance-enhancing supplements. So it's a, it's a very interesting intersection between the science of uh, nutrigenomics, which is an emerging science, uh, and uh, the science of nutritional supplementation, and um, I'll let uh, Brent uh, tell the story. How you doing, Brent? I'm good. Thanks for the great introduction. Okay, great. Uh, so, and you know, uh, I I actually uh, volunteered to be a guinea pig for this because uh, I'm no great shakes as an athlete, but at 68, I continue to try and stay active. Uh, I'm a triathlete. Uh, I, uh, the only way that I can win an event is by being the last man standing. And my hope is that, uh, well into my late sixties and seventies, I can continue to compete. Uh, and then I might be the only one left, <laughs> you know, uh, but, um, 
competing as a 25 or 30 year old, um, I didn't have the assets to be a real uh, high end champion athlete. And it's interesting. I did a, we did a profile which involves a spit test, uh, which analyzes various SNPs. SNPs are genetic variations that may make you more or less likely to perform at a high end uh, in terms of um, athletic accomplishment. And so uh, why don't you explain the rationale of the um, nutrigenomic profile that you do for athletes? And by the way, you have some very uh, celebrated athletes in uh, your coterie of uh, supporters. Uh, Alberto Contador, who is, you know, for yep. those in the world of cycling, uh, he's a legend, uh, a, a several times uh, winner of the Tour de France and uh, a really, really high-end athlete. He, he actually has undergone uh, your workup and has endorsed um, your approach. So yep. go ahead. Yeah, we've also uh, matched up these, uh, the current uh, world record holder, holder on, the, on the 20 kilometer and uh, Mathieu van der Poel. He's uh yeah the the last winner of the Tour of Flanders. He's the he's a co-owner or co-founder of uh, For Gold. He's really into yeah the marginal gains and, and every aspect every uh, percentage that he can uh, yeah he can perform better. Mm-hmm. Always looking so, for that performance edge, you know that little yeah. added extra that can take you across the finish line as a and get on the podium. Yeah, about yeah, Mathieu, He has some really, really good genes. Like he's the the son of of Adri van der Poel. He has also won the Tour of Flanders, mm-hmm. and he's the, the grandson of uh, Raymond Poulidor, who was a uh, has also won uh, the the Tour de France. And we has also yeah an incredible palmarès. But yeah, from Mathieu, there is a lot said that yeah he has some really good genes and a lot of talent. But he's also yeah a really mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah training beast and. Is into the yeah into the marginal gains and and marginal gains and every aspect to to become better. So that's also the reason why he yeah became co-founder of uh, of Four Gold. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, what what we can do is we have like a um, yeah a both sides um, genetic um, um, yeah enhancing performance. Um, yeah, um, aspect like we have the the nutrigenetic part, so we can really go to the the individual and really look into the the genome which genes are going to make that you're going to metabolize caffeine faster than another athlete. So mm-hmm. you know that you need to take those caffeine supplements, yeah, faster, right. just yeah, less fast than another athlete. Right. We we know we that, also, for example, that you know some people have an ergogenic benefit from taking caffeine. Uh, before an event, but your uh, assessment can tell people whether they uh, have a gene which makes them uh, very susceptible to the adverse effects of caffeine uh, or uh, whether caffeine is something that could be used as part of their regimen, right? To some that yeah. basically it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and looking mm-hmm. at that, just, just to just personalize it, uh, you know, I'm looking at my own profile and my profile uh, says that uh, when it comes to caffeine, um, I have a favorable profile. Uh, and I think I have a sort of a mixed gene for caffeine. I'm sensitive to caffeine, but I'm not overly sensitive to caffeine. And I can still get a little bit of a boost when I take it. It's not, you know, for people who have a gene that very, where they very rapidly metabolize caffeine, uh, they don't get that much of a boost, right? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, how do I, can I explain it? Um, yeah, it's really your caffeine 
metabolism, but it works like um, with some kind of enzymes that can um, metabolize caffeine faster than other people. But it's also when you're going to um, use caffeine more than other people, you're going to have more enzymes as other people. So it's really from yeah, from the genetic aspect is the, the baseline, like you can have or you can make more enzymes as someone else. So you can um, metabolize caffeine faster than someone else. Mm-hmm. You're, and obviously, there's a genetic aspect to performance uh, because that's otherwise they wouldn't breed, uh, you know, thoroughbred racehorses to uh, win events. And and you know, clearly there's a lineage, and you know, just the 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 sperm from a, a champion uh, Kentucky Derby race winner can fetch, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, mm-hmm. so that you can breed uh, another, uh, you know. Kentucky Derby winner and you know there's like lineages sometimes of uh, winners in race horsing uh, in horse racing uh, you know I just looked also at um, injury sensitivity there are actually several genes that have to do with collagen that have to do yep. with uh, uh, your antioxidant metabolism uh, and so on and you actually uh, you know with your uh, research uh people, you've actually come up with a panel of SNPs, several SNPs that speak to injury susceptibility. And it's kind of bad news for me because <laughs> it turns out that, uh, yeah, and at true to form, I am a little bit uh, susceptible to injuries. So I have to, you know, it's this, you have a high risk for overuse injuries. Be sure to warm up before starting any type of exercise. And, you know, I have to work on that because, you know, it's, it, I am not the iron man when it comes to, um, injury resistance uh i i can be susceptible to injuries i've managed to power through them um there's another one that's important and it has to do with a very important uh, athletic attribute which is vo2 max can you explain how genes have something to do with vo2 max and it this actually explains something is that i'm okay but i i no way can i become a champion because i don't have the genes to have that optimal VO2 max that could, uh, you know, put me over the Alps and, you know, with 10,000 foot, you know, climbs and descents. Yeah, like the panel that, that we analyze, uh, that we analyze is um, from the genes that may influence uh, VO2 max a training response. So like every athlete has like the first thing, it's the, uh, yeah, the, the baseline, the VO2 max, like where you um, were um, yeah, gifted with from your parents, like how talented you are. But the second part is like really the part from, yeah, how, how trainable are you as an athlete? Can you, uh, do you have the genes that may influence that you, yeah, when you're training that you can raise that VO2 max? And that's our, our panel that, yeah, we analyzed like six SNPs which can influence that VO2 max so that the training response that you really become better from, uh, from training. Yeah, and a lot so is made of, of this distinction between slow twitch and fast twitch muscles. And I guess, uh, you know, we could decide, you know, if you, if you, uh, maybe if you want to do this on your kid, you can decide whether to enroll your kid in, uh, uh, a running program or whether you should, uh, you know, have him concentrate on, on weightlifting. Maybe that's overly simplistic, but, yeah. um, 
Uh, is there something to that? It took, for my, for me, it says I'm kind of so so on on both. It says yeah, you can do either, but you may not be a champion at either discipline. I think that's the take home for me. I think it's it's you can have um, it's really which are fiber dominant. So you have you have like the slow twitch um, fiber types. It's like type one, and then the fast twitch uh, fiber types are type two. Um, but yeah, you can if you're going to train from sport specific. Um, like if you are if you have only fast twitch um, fibers, then yeah, from some kind of point, you know that you will never be the best uh, marathon runner. Mm-hmm. And I think, but you might, like but you might be a sprinter. You have the potential to be a sprinter, yeah. but you don't have yeah. that uh, long distance uh, capability. That so maybe you should adapt your exercise uh, training towards a, a, a goal. Yeah, for sure. And we aren't saying that you never will be a good marathon runner because mm-hmm. you really, yeah, it's it's. Still, you need to do what you like, and and that's the most important thing. But right. we really want to give as much information, like yeah, what's your body made for? And I think this this yeah muscle fiber type panel is really interesting to know. Like mm, I may be more a marathon guy, or m- maybe more a yeah CrossFit guy, or more a, um, a sprinter guy. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also some uh, insights into nutritional requirements, and that is actually the basis of the word nutrigenomics, where we can decide, do certain people have higher requirements for certain specific nutrients? And there are some insights from your panel uh, for athletes on, you know, where they might supplement, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have, um, yeah, different panels, um, yeah, into uh, micronutrients, like we have the, most of the, of the vitamins, uh, like vitamin C, vitamin D. Vitamin D is maybe, yeah, a good example to tell a bit more about like we can see for example if you have um, uh, a deficit of, of vitamin D in the blood we can look like where it comes from like mm-hmm. some people who were in the Sun a lot and they can still have like a, a vitamin D deficiency um, but it's because when they're sitting in the Sun their um, their skin is going to absorb the vitamin D, and it's afterwards it's going to the uh, to the liver. But the liver isn't going to mm-hmm. uh, adapt the vitamin D to a form which the body can really use. And yeah, there is the like the the yeah the, the fault to to say it like that 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 kind of people needs way more vitamin mm-hmm. D, and they need a vitamin D supplements to become the yeah the standard vitamin D levels in the blood. Mm-hmm. So it's there, there, there seem really- to be multiple levels at which uh, vitamin D metabolism can be uh, impaired, uh, and therefore uh, your panel will identify the stumbling blocks to metabolism of of not just vitamin D but other things like choline, for example. Choline, I think, is important yeah. for. Uh, muscle performance because it's a building block for acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter that actually uh, causes muscle contraction. Uh, so that uh, is an important consideration for athletes as well, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's also uh, for phosphatidylcholine, which is also yeah really important uh, for uh, muscle um, cellular membranes. Um, yep, yeah, it's it's also important for the brain. For yeah, for good um, liver conditions, 
So yeah, we, we can look like um, choline is a, is a health vitamin. It's, it's not that known in society just because it's a half vitamin and not uh, yeah, an, a normal vitamin. Um, and because it's a yeah, half vitamin means that we need half of the part from our, um, right. yeah, from our food. So, so we, could, we, could, we can make it, uh, but we can't, yeah, we can uh, but we need some outside sources. I mean, the true yeah. meaning of a vitamin is that something that you can't make uh, yeah. but you must get entirely from outside sources. So you say yeah. choline is, is somewhat endogenously produced, produced internally by the body, but some people need more uh, from outside sources. So it's kind of half and half. That's interesting. Yeah, and uh, we, can, we can look like, yeah, from some kind of people, yeah, we can look like, yeah, that choline is really a normal vitamin just because they don't make any choline by themselves. And then it's really important because some people have, have a choline deficiency and they don't know it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's really an important panel as well, just because it's not that known choline, but it can have uh, yeah a big impact on on sport performance, but also on on mental health, on on liver health, um, yeah. And also, there's a lot on uh, antioxidant status because uh, you know high level exercise generates a lot of free radicals, and we know that antioxidants can play a role in. Uh, not just performance, but in recovery uh, and, uh, you know, sustained athletic uh, careers. So uh, you you look at things like superoxide dismutase genes, uh, other types of uh, antioxidant pathways. Uh, some people are vulnerable because they just don't have, uh, for example, glutathione peroxidase plays a role in that too. And you're looking at, at those uh, pathways as well. I, I think like the whole panel from uh, yeah from our, our Redox balance panel is our there is the most knowledge just because we've also um, yeah our nutrogenomic recovery which is directly linked to the the Redox balance panel and it has yeah influence on yeah on the results um, but we're really going to look here to to eleven SNPs and yeah it's really the the whole algorithm behind it it's it's really yeah there is a, l- a lot of science behind it because it's really yeah important the the whole redox balance system it's yeah it, it's not easy just yet yeah, to tell people mm-hmm. um yeah the inflammation uh snips or the, the snips that have have in uh influence on inflammation or oxidative stress um but it's a really interesting one. Right. Now, the other thing about this is that um, this is a work in progress and you have a research team uh, behind you. Uh, You know, I have to say that, uh, you know, Belgium uh, is a country that is really, really exciting from the standpoint of uh, science, technological advancement. A lot of that is centered where you're located uh, in the Flanders region of, of Belgium. Uh, it, it's uh, really distinguishing itself in terms of high tech, and they have some wonderful universities there. And you have the resources of uh, a lot of uh, great uh, uh, scientists uh, who can uh, update and modify the algorithms that then uh, spew out results for your uh, clients. Yeah, we're um, yeah we're working together with a with a university also 
to uh, yeah to get the uh, DNA extraction. We work within yeah university lab, and then yeah we do the in-house interpretation of the of the genetic data by our yeah our, our scientific team uh, with Nicolas, our, our head of R and D, is yeah most of the knowledge, and we're constantly working to improve our algorithms to improve yeah to get more knowledge and to yeah to get more panels to to know more about certain snips which can influence on uh on the panels so yeah we're really it's an it's a young science but we're still mm-hmm. looking to yeah to evolve to become better to become smarter and to to make people um uh, to give people more information about their health so they can live more uh yeah more healthy Indeed. Yeah. So if, you know, I submitted a saliva sample in 2020, that's all there is to it is that you, you know, it's a spit test. Uh, and, uh, it's sent for evaluation, uh, overseas. Uh, but people's DNA doesn't change, you know, so that it is what it is. It could be done at birth. It could be done, you know, on your deathbed. It's the same. Uh, but the science, uh, is progressing. So is it conceivable that in 2022 or 2025 that uh, looking at the same DNA, uh, you might come up with an enhanced interpretation of that? You might have some new spin on what those results are. Normally, like the um, the panels we have at the moment, we're quite yeah we're quite sure like that they're 100 science based and that. Uh, interpretation isn't going to change like for example when you're lactose intolerant at the moment yep. you're lactose intolerant it doesn't change but I think like the um, the main the main conclusion will not change but there will be more side snips which can yeah influence a bit uh, but will will not make the end conclusion different. Mm-hmm. But there will just be more information, and everything will be yeah, just more. Um, there there will be more information to build on. Great. All right, we're going to pause because, uh, as our listeners know, we divide our podcast into two parts. In part two, I want to focus on sports nutrition uh, and some of the considerations for sports nutrition. It's a controversial field. It's an emerging field. It's a a science that uh, continually gets uh, updated. But uh, this uh, Belgian team from Four Gold, uh, the website is fourgold.be. Is that correct? That's the domain name, B-E? Yeah, it's it's still correct, but normally in, in yeah the quarter one of uh, two thousand twenty one we're going to change to four gold dot eu. Okay, all right. Well, you can get more information about the panels they offer there, but uh, also uh, in part two we're going to focus on sports nutrition and some of the ways that uh, athletes can gain that uh, competitive edge that we all seek. Uh, I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Uh, we're talking to um, the uh, CEO and developer of uh four gold brent lux in antwerp belgium this is the intelligent medicine podcast